0: Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at Chicago.com. After years of disappointment and heartache, we decided to move on. We had to move on. We had to press forward. But that, doesn't, that didn't mean and still doesn't mean that we're not suffering to some degree. It's been really, cult, really difficult watching our friends and our family enter into this new season of life with their first child and then their second child. And so on and so forth. But again, we've chosen to move forward in faith, trusting God with our future. We've actually just recently become a as a foster parents. And it's something that we feel like God has called us to. Thank you. Um, thank you. We feel like God has called us to that. Um, but it's still really hard. Like I said, there's still some level of suffering that occurs. And the scriptures are littered with stories of people suffering and yet prevailing. And yes, suffering comes in in its many forms. And when it arrives, Psalms 46 says this, that God is present in our times of trouble. He's our refuge. And he gives us what we need to get through whatever we need to get through. And according to the text... Peter says, fear and worry have no power. He's telling them, don't be afraid. The text then says this, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. So instead of being overcome by fear or worry, we worship. We worship. I love just this, the first couple songs we, we sang. It was thick with worship in this space. And I have to believe that there was people in this room, that there is people in this room that are going through some level of suffering, and yet in response, you worshipped. But again, Psalms 46 says, God is present in our times of trouble. He's our refuge. He's, he gives us what we need to get through. And therefore, fear and, power, I'm sorry, fear and worry have no power. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So instead of being overcome by fear or worry, worship. We're not only invited to receive God's blessing in the midst of our suffering and adversity, we're invited to give back to Jesus the praise and the honor and the glory he deserves. But why is that? Why? It's because he's the source of our hope. He's the source of our hope and he's in control. And then Peter reminds the Christians then, and we're reminded now that Jesus is king. And we can trust him with our lives no matter what comes our way. What has suffering produced in you? What has suffering produced in you? Has it produced hope? Has it produced faith or endurance? God wants to provide and do a work in you when it comes to experiencing suffering and adversity the next section says this always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so in other words your hope sparks curiosity in others your hope sparks curiosity in others And then Peter goes on to say this, always be prepared to give an answer. Of course, I don't don't think Peter was being casual when he said this to them and when he says this to us, because he uses the word always, right, always. He doesn't say be ready when you've reached a certain maturity level as a Christian, or be ready when you've got your masters of divinity, I want one of those badly, or be ready When you've read a dozen books on evangelism, he says, always be ready. Always be ready. The word always in the Greek also means constantly or unceasingly. Which means regardless of our maturity or comfort levels, we're encouraged to be prepared to talk about our hope in Jesus. And the hope that we've held on to when facing suffering. The hope, according to Paul in Romans, the hope that shapes us and keeps us going and that ultimately never disappoints. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty awesome that you don't need to be a skilled apologist, a theologian, or a gifted evangelist to answer people's questions when they ask you about your hope in Jesus. I love that. He can use me he can use you to tell people about how much he loves them, right, to tell these people that he's their source of hope. And I know that there's people in this room who have the education and the knowledge and the experience to engage, engage in these high-level, high-intellectual conversations about faith. I know there is in this room. And if that's you, Awesome. You know, I think God's going to use you in a powerful way in some of those conversations. But what I've learned is that in most cases, underneath the theological, historical, philosophical, and scientific questions, or even objections, beneath all of that, people are ultimately looking for meaning, purpose, and hope. I see that every time when I lead my alpha groups, kind of starts out with these higher intellectual questions and debates and And that's great, but at the end, at the end of Alpha, they're just wanting hope. They just want purpose. They want meaning. And in my opinion, the best way you can explain the hope you have in Jesus is to tell your story. People can debate facts and opinions, but they can't debate that which has happened to you. Then it goes on to say this, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, if Jesus is the leader of your life and you've trusted him, you've trusted him through some really difficult times, it's going to show. It's going to show. Say, for instance, if you constantly hang out with, some, with one of your friends, right, all the time, that one friend, it's just a matter of time until you start like embodying their characteristics, whether you like it or not. And then you kind of catch yourself, and I'm like, dang, I just, I just sounded like Bob. You are who you hang out with, in a sense, Right? where am I going with this? If you've been been orientating your life around your relationship with Jesus, if you're in, because you're, man, if your life is centered on him, focused on him, all about him, it's just a matter of time until somebody asks you, look, man, there's something different about you. What is it? Or, I heard this happen to you. I heard you lost your father. I heard you lost your mother. I heard you lost your job. How were you able to deal with it? so what they'll ask. Now, this doesn't mean that if you haven't been asked these particular questions, Peter doesn't mean this, that you're not a follower of Jesus, people aren't running up to you and asking you for the hope that's in you. We're all on different journeys when it comes to our faith, and especially when it comes to sharing it. But what I think Peter is implying is that it's possible for you to be living your life in a way that invites people to move towards you, in vulnerability, and of course, in curiosity. And that's a beautiful thing. There will be times when we have to initiate honest and loving conversations with people in our lives when it comes to faith. And then there are moments, like Peter's referencing, where it's just kind of laid out for you. You're just living, you're living for Jesus, and all of a sudden people come up to you, he lays it out for you, and all you have to do is respond. But how? Next he says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. When we've been giving... The one, when we've been given the wonderful opportunity to share the hope that we have in Christ, giving the answer isn't sufficient in and of itself. How we respond matters. right? How, like, how it's packaged matters. And Peter encourages us to do this with gentleness and respect. And gentleness refers to meekness or humility. It doesn't mean exhibiting weakness at all. It just means not being dominant or overbearing. Ephesians 4.15 says this, speaking the truth in love. Jesus himself was characterized by this virtue of gentleness. Paul as well, when he said this in uh, 1 Corinthians, said, now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And of course, I'm still learning. When it comes to being gentle, I am still learning. Just in general, I told my wife, she's sitting right there in the third row, beautiful blonde. And, um, I told her I was talking about this text, and sometimes I, I'm just like, I shouldn't have said nothing. But she's like, Gabe, you need to work on being gentle. <laughs> I'm just like, dang it, man, she speaks the truth. But, I, but it's true, it's true. Like I try to, I try to, but I feel like there are moments when like, there's this bucket of gentleness, and it depletes and depletes depending on whom I'm with. And some folks, it just, they just suck the gentleness right out of me. And all of a sudden, I'm puffing up, and I'm pushing back, and I'm domineering. So I got to work on that. And then there's respect. And when people ask us about our faith, our hope, and our story, we're encouraged, again, to, to respond in a respectful way. And yes, I think this applies to like, how we treat people and honor them when they come to us and, and in our response. But I think this also means respecting the moment respecting the opportunity, respecting a potentially holy moment that God has orchestrated. And this is why I love Alpha and why I'm trying to get it into as many churches as I can. Alpha is all about creating a safe space for people to ask questions. They can say whatever they want, or they can say nothing at all, and that's okay. They're loved. Alpha first presents the Christian faith, of course, in a non-judgmental, non-pressurized, conversational way. And of course, the content isn't, isn't devoid of truth. Every week, guests hear about the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And then they have honest, open, and respectful dialogue about it. I see it happen every week. And it's amazing what God does when we approach people with gentleness and respect. People's walls come down. And they become more open to hear what you have to say. Peter goes on to say this, is keeping a clear conscience, right? So answer with respect and gentleness, but he, you know, this will lead to having a clear conscience. All Peter means here is make sure you walk away from the situation feeling at peace with the way that you handled it. Like I mentioned earlier in the text, there's always a chance that when you do good, you're still going to experience resistance. You're still going to experience opposition and even suffering. You can engage and dialogue with somebody in the most loving way, and you still might be ridiculed or laughed at. Some of us have in this room, have experienced that. What you say could negatively, even, yeah, negatively impact the relationship. Now, if this is the case, take comfort Knowing that you did what God called you to do in the way that God called you to do it. Granted, there have been many, oh man, there have been many times when I've walked away from a conversation just doing one of these, like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that, or I should have said this or that. And yet I have to tell myself, look man, it's not the end of the world. Keep fighting the good fight, do good, trust God. And he'll provide another opportunity. He'll bring another person into my life, and he has. Is your faith in Christ, Christ, sparking curiosity in others? Is your faith in Christ sparking curiosity in others? And if someone wants to ask you about your faith in Christ today, are you prepared? Are you prepared? last section says this so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in christ may be ashamed of their slander for it is better if it is god's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil hope gets the last word hope gets the last word peter reminds us that in any opposition that comes our way because of the, especially because of the life we've chosen to live, hmm, that opposition has no power. Anything that we experience because of the life that we've chosen to live, that opposition, that suffering, that adversity has no power in and of itself. Just because you're experiencing adversity in your life doesn't mean that you will be defeated by it text basically says our enemies will be put to shame instead of our hope our hope like in Romans will not be put to shame I love that and then he finishes off and he says for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil which means adversity is a reality And I don't even feel good even saying that it feels it's tough adversity is a reality and suffering is a spiritual privilege for believers. If we realize that God causes all things to work together for those who love him, we'll be able to accept suffering as a part of God's plan for us. And then this will equip us with the faith and hope we will need in whatever circumstance that we face. And as I conclude my time with you today, I want to encourage you And tell you this, that there's hope in your suffering. We're always battling something. We're always battling something. But there's hope in your suffering. In the midst of your circumstance, God wants to pour out his blessing. And you position yourselves to receive those blessings by staying committed to doing good despite when things go bad. And when you trust God with the difficult things, it's noticeable. And hope within you sparks curiosity in other people. And then you have this wonderful privilege to share what God has done. So humbling that he invites us to be part of that process with people. Your hope sparks curiosity in other people. And then again, you have this wonderful privilege to share what God has done. You get to play a part in the redemptive work in the lives of those around you. And regardless of what opposition you face or the suffering you experience, hope gets the last word. Hope gets the last word. Because we worship a God who's in control. He has a plan and a purpose for your lives, and He doesn't just want to do amazing things in you. He wants to do amazing things through you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit remind us God that in the midst of suffering trials and difficulty and disappointment and hostility that you're with us you're not only with us, Lord, you want to give us something. You want to provide. You want to bless us. You want to give us a future and a hope. Use our suffering, use our adversity to produce a hope in us that is contagious. That instills curiosity in people in our in, in our workplaces and in, in our homes our schools put your work on display put your work in our lives on display we, we get the privilege Lord of being involved in your redemptive work and we're grateful we're humbled we're thankful God that you get to use us and of course God, he, The hope that you provide gets the last word. The victory has been won. Sin has been defeated. Our enemy has been defeated. Thank you, Lord, for what you do in our suffering. What you do in us and what you're going to do through us in the midst of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you.